What's up, everybody? Thanks for checking out another episode of O Jeremiah Talks. I hope your year is going well. I hope it's going to end well. We're getting in that holiday spirit. I can feel it. But either way, I'm very happy that you are here. This week on the podcast, we are talking about the fact that I have a solo show coming up and all the feelings that we're going through with that. And that sounds dramatic. It's not really. Um, but I have been working on new songs and Aaron and I kind of like process what this whole season has felt like. It's been it's been really fun. And our conversation was really thoughtful. And I just had a great time talking to my wife. And over on Patreon, we talk, it's almost an entire episode based on Succession, <laughs> because the episode last night, if you were a fan of Succession, wrecked you, and it also wrecked us. Uh, but we also talk about family dynamics and just like inspired by that, but other things too. It's a great episode. I hope that if you want more stuff like that, you will go to Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash ojeremiah, and there's so much more. I'm kind of writing a book of stories, and once a month, I'm going to post another one of those stories. I've got two up, and it's just it's my favorite way to release content is Patreon. It's the future. So if you're into that, head over there, patreon.com slash ojeremiah. Okay, that's it. Let's do the show. Let's go. I want it to be you talking on the intro. I want to together. Yeah. So for the first time in probably not six years. Is it since it, we've lived in Hattiesburg, though? Because I don't think you've done one here. I've definitely not done one here. 100% have not done one. I'm playing a solo show. It doesn't feel like that long ago, though. Well, yeah, because of COVID. Like, I think about it. I'm going to turn 32 in January. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? It's that not, is weird. It's not because 32 is old. It's because I just turned 30. But I think you had like the most growth of your life at 31. I would agree. Like, I would say 31 has been like, the most emotionally dense year. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've aged deeper than in the other days, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But I used to, a lot of, I don't know if, if people know this about us or not, but we used to be like restaurant gig musicians. Yep. And we that had was, a, we had kind of like a standing spot at, uh, this southern restaurant called Cotton Blues. It was amazing food. And they would pay us in food. No, I mean, we got, we had a fee. Well, yeah, no, I mean, we got paid in money but and But we also food. got free, we had like a certain, uh, like, dollar amount that we could um, use for food. And so we would uh, always get the same thing because I would make it to where we never had to like pay any extra. So we would like share something and then also get salads. And I had the... It was like perfectly timed out. Do you remember that meal? Yeah, it would always end up becoming a date night during yes. the break because we would play for an hour and a half and then take a 15 minute or 20 minute break and yeah. we'd eat together. And it was always like super sweet because we were yeah. literally singing for our supper, you know? Yeah. And then you would get, uh, you get paid at the end, but after playing for three hours, you're like fried. Oh, exhausted. Exhausted. And... A friend of mine is the booker at this brewery in town, and I thought it would be really fun to to go back to that yeah. and just, you know, it, it feels really good to be writing new songs. I, I want an really outlet. Quick though, but also not go back to that, but go back to, we didn't talk, that was like the two of us, but you would also play this, play this place called Skylight Lounge by yourself. Yeah. Because whenever I play a solo gig like this, which again, was very is and was very rare it is just a chance for me to feel like a singer songwriter by myself 
and see how the songs stand up by themselves. Because it's not branded as Oh Jeremiah, it's just you. Yeah, it's just me. Like, if I were a solo singer-songwriter, this is what it would feel like. And it's, you know, I'm sitting on like eight songs that I wrote over COVID. And used to, we would play those songs live, even if it was like a good audience. And we'd be like, hey, we're about to try this new song out on y'all. And it would tank or it wouldn't. But like, we just don't, haven't had that. I think it's always it's also good for you personally to to prove to yourself again that you can do it by yourself. I think so, too. I think it... I felt very... My identity has shifted so much over pandemic, and I I'm, I'm, feel like I'm emotionally clawing my way back with the understanding that it will never feel the way that it did again because I know too much now. Like, going with that, I learned so much at 31. Yeah. I'm not climbing my way back to be the old me. I'm going for something similar with way more emotional understanding at at what I'm what and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And I I just I was looking going through the song list and looking at some songs that we used to cover, some songs that I used to play all the time and it's funny the the stuff that ha- is evergreen. Like I will never not want to play a Paul Simon song, but uh bands like Coldplay just don't hit for me the way they did whenever Oh yeah. I used to love that band so much. We used to also play Ryan Adams a lot. Yeah, he's had a he's had a rough go though. Uh-huh. And yeah. who else did we play? I think we had there was one time we played five Ryan Adams songs in a set. Yeah. We just we loved that. We did a lot of Josh Ritter. Yeah, we did, we always did a few Josh Ritter one of his songs specifically because it, we could make it last eight minutes. Which was really helpful for a three-hour set. Yeah. When we played uh, Joy to You Baby, we could stretch it a really long time. Are you looping on Thursday? I think so. I think I'm going to loop. I think I'm going to... I'm I'm doing that thing that you always recommend, which is like don't over-prepare and like let the moment be whatever the moment needs to be. Yeah, because you're ready. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like it'll be more fun that way. It'll feel... It's different if you don't know your craft, but you super do. I super do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's also been an interesting thing for you because people in Athens don't know that I used to do this. So they're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's doing this. Like he's doing a solo show. Like, how do you feel about that? And I'm just like, and I think they're also filtering it through the lens of like, oh, you just finished like nutrition school. Like, I don't know. I could be wrong, but, and it's, it's not my place to worry about this. And I, and in a sense, like, I I think there's a small part of me that does, but not really. Um, I don't let myself humor it very much, but I could imagine some people are probably thinking and even potentially having conversations around like, oh, is Erin on her way out? Yeah, I think that's like the greatest fear or the the obvious thing to think. Yeah. Right. And we're also making like making assumptions, but I also I'm like not oblivious to what it looks like as well. Yeah. And I think that just isn't a fear to me. Like the. I don't know, because OJ isn't OJ without OE. And <laughs> and I that is just not what I what Yeah, I think. it's not really a fear to me either, but I think um there's always a part of me that's gonna like have a little bit of worry about what other people think, as much as I don't want that. Like I think I'm growing out of it more than I used to think about it, but it's there's it's definitely still kind of there. And the other thing with your sonar for what people think is so strong and also weirdly accurate. I know. 
Like I'm usually that's why I don't really ignore it. That's I think that's also why I've humored it for so long. Is that like I think I'm not? Is that I know I've been right a lot of the time, but that also doesn't justify giving it too much thought. So I try to just be done with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that you have a really good read on that. Yeah, but I I don't know I. I think so much about what COVID took and what, like the little things, like that listening to Brene Brown whenever we were on tour and she talked about play and she talked about how the the majority of people that she studied that experienced wholehearted living was people that instilled play in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to that and be like, what the heck is play? What does that even mean? And what, what she was saying was people that it's that do things that they enjoy. And I still at 31, almost 32, really enjoy playing music. You love playing your guitar and just like practicing more than anything. And a solo gig is like a heightened version of your practice. Yeah. And I like more I've, than an O Jeremiah show experience. And I've been, it's not going to feel like a show. People are going to be talking. People are going to be talking, which I love. People are going to be heckling. I've got um, some CrossFit buddies coming, and they're like, they have no idea I'm even a musician because, like, I don't know what anyone does at CrossFit. I don't even know how people dress, like in regular life, because everyone wears tank tops and shorts. They're going to be at a bar, and I'm going to be like, oh wow, that's what you dress like. Or Here's whatever. what you do: is you show up in your CrossFit attire, uh, shirtless, and shock all of them. <laughs> Actually, what are you wearing? That's a great question. I've been thinking about turtling, but the Georgia's winter is like bogus right now. It's at night. You never know. You never know. But I, like I want a turtle, but it's freaking 70 degrees today. I also, um, those are, I, I cannot believe that it really has been six years since you did that. And it used to be a huge part of my life. I would do two to three of those gigs a week. Like. And- Whenever we were like, whenever it was how we made money, yeah, I would do them all the time. And it would be like, I remember when we first started our career, calling you and being like, babe, you're not going to believe it. I got another $100 gig. Yeah, I know. But this one's got free drinks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I, now it's just, I'm doing it because it, like, I, I feel like spiritually, like deep within my soul, I need more of this. Yeah. Even if it doesn't look the way that I want it to look. Because... Yeah. I agree. It's my favorite thing to do, and I love music in every sense of it, but I've also been doing a lot of producing over the pandemic, and I still don't feel as competent in it as I do performing live. Yeah. Because I think I have, um, since I was a kid, I would perform live and I would interact with people, and I love the dynamic of performer and audience. I'm really comfortable in that space. Yeah. I'm not comfortable still being the only person in the room and having to evaluate how it's going. That is so hard for me. And the reason why performing is so easy for me is because I can go, wow, I think that was good. And then the audience go, yeah, we think so too. And then I have an immediate feedback loop. Yeah. So if you're in the producing role, you kind of just get like stuck in that. I get stuck. I need to start producing in front of an entire audience for six hour sessions and it'd go terrible the entire time no um yeah I six years ago that's so wild because I have such vivid memories of um like every now and then one of my like I'd go to these gigs I go to all of them and I would 
we never knew who was going to come. Like yeah. you would post it sometimes, sometimes we wouldn't. Sometimes, but we were so connected in Mississippi that we would just inevitably I would see someone that we would know, and sometimes it would be like a close friend, yeah. and so a close friend would come and sit with me, and that's like a really one of my favorite hangs with people. Yeah, is just like three hours of we don't have to talk the whole time. I'm watching you do what you love most. Yeah. And supporting you in that. And there's just like, it's just the best feeling to me. I like, I really enjoy it. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I realize that it's probably other people's favorite way. Like our friends that have kids or our friends that like have to work the next day. Yeah. Like, cause it's an early gig. It's like very casual. And it's hard for me to remember a lot of people don't obsess about music the way that I do. I think, like, going back to the gym that I go to, I assume that every time a Blink-182 song comes on, everyone else is having the same reaction I'm having. Yeah. But most people couldn't care less. And when I ask people what they do, I'm like, what do you do in music or whatever? You know, like, what's your favorite thing? And they just, it's just not the same. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to to play a show like this and... It's going to feel like playing for the first time in like a ton of ways, yeah. you know? Yeah, for sure. But I've, I've been having a lot of fun uh, going back through some of those songs. The The song that still sticks out to me as a perfect song is Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, I heard you work on that. By Simon and Garfunkel. Are you going to do that? Yeah, I have to. Like, I love playing that song so much because the whole song goes back and forth between two keys and seamlessly. Like, it, he acts like he doesn't change keys multiple times in the song. It's yeah. amazing. That's so weird. And I also love the story behind that song because they released The Graduate, the movie, without that song in the soundtrack, and the movie flopped. So then they pulled it, added that song to the soundtrack, and it was a hit. Now it's a classic. Now it's a classic. And it's so interesting how big a role music played in movies back then, especially that movie. Whereas now, like, I don't—the last song I remember associating to a movie was the— Chad. Oh. No, no, even no later than that. Spider-Man 2, Nickelback played the theme song in the credits because Spider-Man, maybe it was, maybe it was Spider-Man 1. I actually think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was called Our Hero or My Hero. And they say that a hero will save us. Like, I still think about that with Spider-Man. And I also remember Dashboard Confessional did one and they did Vindicated was the, was the title or the end credit thing. Yeah. Which, you know. It's a big deal. But m- movies and music just don't go together as as well as they used to. It's not nearly the same relationship. You like, don't associate it as The much. music was part of the movie, which I always liked. That's big that they pulled it and then re-released it with new music. Yeah. I think now the theme music is really big. That's like every time we sit down to watch Succession, we get so hype. Uh, because that theme song is so perfect. I know. And then, I, I mean, obviously I think the theme is perfect, but... More than anything, I'm impressed with how he stretches it throughout the show and does different variations of the theme. It blows my mind. Yeah. On this last episode, he took the theme and made it like elevator music at the top of the episode. Yeah. Which was just really cool. Speaking of, how great was last night's episode? Very good. It was. And we only have one more episode. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching that with you on Sunday nights. I know. I'm going to be so bummed when it's over. Yeah. We get amped for it. We get season four. When, 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 when? I mean, it's going to be next oh, year sorry. sometime. I think Atlanta comes back soon, which will be which will be great because we love that show. We get two seasons of Atlanta this year. Okay, I like the pa- I like 
watching TV shows like one at a time. I think the streaming, I think streaming is going back to that because they realize that I remember when we watched Stranger Things, we were like ready for season two on day two. And yeah. the, they, you know, Netflix is probably like, okay, well, chill. Like mm-hmm. we, it's going to be a year. Yeah. Yeah. I like it stretched out. Yeah. But yeah. I just, I, I really love, I will get hooked anytime Inside Out comes on and that theme music plays. Mm-hmm wrecked immediately i know i can't i can't handle it it's too good and i think another reason i'm really really stoked about playing solo and you know we're gonna play this kind of stuff when we play shows again in the new year but playing new songs is the most cathartic feeling i think because i struggle with writer's block a lot so to play a song i have recently written always feels very healing to me yeah and i remember one time i was playing one of these solo shows and there was a guy that he was sitting at the bar all night. He was like in a shaded spot. He looked like very mysterious. And he came up and he put a $10 thing in the bucket. And he said, play me the latest song you wrote. That's so nice. And I was like, why? And he's like, because I want you to play one for you. That's so nice. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. I also just want to say that like the reason I'm not doing this is like because this it doesn't a three-hour gig doesn't bring me the life that it does you yeah and i also think that it's this is something that i think you need right now to be reminded that you can do this on your own but also that that i'm that i'm not the reasons that oh jeremiah is what it is like you are oh and i think that's important to remember like, without you, there is no O. Jeremiah. I would say the same about you. Well, that's nice. I yeah. just I just want to say that. Like, I, like, let's say you retire. You said, hey, listen, I'm really getting into dog grooming. I got to take a step back. <laughs> I would not continue as O.J. Like, there's no way. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would I would either go by my own name or I would go I would create a new moniker and not even play the same songs. Yeah. Because to me, it is you. Like my favorite moments at an O. Jeremiah show are when you sing Backwards Heart or when you go to the bridge on telephone number. Like that is what matters to me. Yeah. I guess I just wanted to say that like I'm just I'm your hero. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean you're gonna be doing O. Jeremiah sh- songs on Thursday. Yeah. And that's okay. I'm like, it's, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't want people to think that like, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. No, I, I think it's interesting when you look at us and how we are opposites in so many ways and so similar in so many ways. Like when I go to your hometown, I'm like, oh, it was inevitable that we were going to meet and fall in love because we had the exact same upbringing or whatever. And then, but when you get to music we, I would say that we both have the same amount of love for the craft. But our needs are completely opposite. Completely opposite. And the path, how we got here, obviously, are, is very opposite. Like, you love being in an orchestra. You love practicing. You love, I mean... By myself. By yourself. Like, I want to go into a room and practice with a band until like we're blue in the face and you're like hey why don't we get it to where we're confident we can get through it and then let the moment dictate yeah yeah we are just so different and for me i grew up since i was 11 what like trying to play shows my first show i was in the ninth grade 
And I've been playing shows consistently ever since. Yeah. For you, you've never you never got the got to do the thing where you were like in your parents' basement jamming with friends and then you would like play a show at the local bar and mm-hmm. all your friends would you never there got was that. like the tiniest brief stint of let's make a band my senior year of high school. How have you never told me this? Because it was like so tiny, nothing happened. Who was in your band? Uh, this girl named Caitlin. Oh my gosh, Caitlin? Alex. No way. Uh huh. It was at his house that we practiced. You practiced? Uh huh. I hated it. This, this wrecks we only my had, whole experience. We only had with like you. two rehearsals. Two rehearsals is a band. One <laughs> rehearsal is an accident. Two rehearsals is a band. And I was trying to sing, and they're like, Aaron, I think you can sing louder than that. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, know. Get, get in line. Stop. <laughs> well, that's whenever I was only singing in my head voice because I didn't know yeah. that anything else existed. What was the name that. of the band? I don't think we had a name. The Dragon Bites. I honestly don't remember a name. Pretzel Wraps? Stop. Okay. But yeah, Alex tried to play guitar. Tried to or succeeded at it? I mean, he wasn't very good. Okay. And then Caitlin like sang and played a little bit of guitar. I vaguely remember a drummer, but I don't remember who it was. I, I would say anytime we are in a situation where it's like, hey, let's jam, you are like, no. And I am always like, turn it up. Yeah, I just don't. I don't feel safe in that environment. Was it because of this? Is it because of the dragon bites? Did you, <laughs> every time you played a wrong note, they would attack you? No, I, I mean, like, I, nothing, I don't, I hardly remember anything from that. Really? Like, it, it didn't really have an impact on me. So I had, I had a, um, um, it, it wasn't a music school, but I'm very grateful for my upbringing. There was this one guy, there was, he had a, an organization, I don't know what you would even call it. It was called CODA, Center for, Center of Developing Artists is what it was called. Mm-hmm. And... I would go to lessons once a week and we would learn scales and we would do all that stuff. And it was, it was dope. Like I, I fell in love with guitar. He would let me play Blink-182 songs. And I felt like for the first time I wasn't born in the wrong place. Yeah. And then he hired this other guy and he said, once a week, you're going to go to me. <clears throat> and then the, or one, one week you're going to go to me. The next week you're going to go to him. Okay. He's only going to teach you sheet music. I'm going to teach you how to be an artist. And we, I hated learning sheet music. I hated it. Yeah. But every other week I would do the artist thing and I felt really, really good. But then he added a third week where on the third week or on the second week, whatever, you're also going to play in a band and we're going to have the group. That's awesome. And you're going to play a song. And we played a Metallica song and I hated Metallica. Yeah. But I loved playing. And there was this moment where he's like, all right, now we're just going to jam and we're going to see what happens. There are no Mm -hmm. wrong notes. That's cool. And it was so liberating because I was really bad at jamming at the time. That really set you up. And it really set me up. It gave you, me the safe space to be like, hey, express whatever it is. Don't even worry about key. Don't worry about yeah. rhythm. Just say what you want to say. Yeah. And ever since then, whenever there's like an opportunity to jam, even if we're playing in like a church setting or, or whatever the setting is. Yeah, you're really good at that. I always, my question is, what do you want to play? Because of that, I just loved that teaching that I got where it was like, there are no wrong notes to just go for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I never had that. Like I've tried to like foster that with my students though, but like, like I get, I think my classical upbringing has so much to do with that. 
of just like there was a right or wrong and like I I was really fixated on what I was doing wrong. And there was like real punishment if you didn't do it right. Yeah, totally. But I also think that like the way I operate now is if you give me a song and let me listen to it a few times, I can tell you what it needs. Yeah, I agree. But in the moment, I'm not going to just like do it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's funny. I have a student and you probably know who I'm talking about that like is very much like you and she hates working on like note reading and stuff. Torture. But we had group classes for the first time this semester and she was like pumped. In love. And so I think just the idea of like making music together. And so I'm going to, it's funny you said it was the third week because I decided that the third Wednesday of every month is going to be group classes. Yeah. I think I, I it's just. going to help her be excited, you think? Yeah. And I think that the first time me and that Coda artist, we, I think we performed once. And it was all of the groups played like a showcase or it was like a recital or something. And he told me after the fact that he had over half of his students drop because they did not want to perform. And I think that that performance gave me so much confidence to where the next year I was starting a band called Idiot Box and we were renting out buildings to play shows in. That's cool. And it's like, I can't imagine like not wanting to go because you have to perform so i like i know i need to foster that more with my kids yeah i just i i think that do you think if i just like play a chord progression on piano and like let her just jam i think she'd shred you think she'd like it i think she'd shred because i think that's where that's where i learned the most too like and i think that's why i i took so well to looping is because you can play four chords over and over and just be like okay well now let's make some stuff up yeah. And it's like, I have a jam buddy all the time. <laughs> and I really, I, I just thrive in that. Yeah. There's a mental block. And I think I've described it to you before. Like sometimes I'm able to move past it, but like I've been, if I'm in a, I guess they would call it like a state of like flow or something. Yeah. Of just being able to be like, this is what it needs in the moment. Like I can hear it and I'm going to let myself do it. Yeah. But a lot of times, cause I think it's easier for me to vocally do what I want. Yeah, I agree. Than it is for me to do it on violin. Well, you also have, as as amazing as you are at violin, you have all of this like baggage that comes with it. So much baggage. You have so much baggage. Yeah. Like there have been moments where I've watched you, like last week I saw you do this. Where There's this weird part we're working on and it sounds really cool. And you go, hey, can we try this weird dissonant thing that I just came up with on the spot? And it makes it, it like elevates the whole performance and I'm like, where did that come from? And you're like, I don't know. I just heard it. But with violin, you all, you have all your old professors in your head. You have all of your old, uh, like, juries that you had to perform. You had all this other stuff that's just, like, stacked up in there. And it's so weird because, like, there's a really successful place for that for some people. Some people love it. Some people create an entire legacy o- over it, you know? Yeah. And, some, and I lo- But the thing is, is, like, I like rules. Like, I like the structure of classical music. You do. But then I also like the other. I feel like I'm very equal right, left brain. Yeah. I, I I'd love to be able to sit on a piano and just play whatever I want. Yeah, me too. Yeah, but the, who doesn't, though? You know? <laughs> I hated being a music student so much because it was, and I think choosing classical guitar was the wrong move because this is the loneliest instrument because it's not loud enough to play in an orchestra, but it <laughs> it's, you know, you play all the chords by yourself. It is a solo endeavor. 
And yeah. when I was 21, I had a legitimate quarter life crisis where I was like, I never want to play music again. Wow. And then I walked away from it. And then I spent like two months really, really sad. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's just not what I wanted. So yeah. I like I sold my classic guitar. I got my acoustic guitar out and I started writing songs again. And I was like, never looked back. So, yeah. yeah. Different for everybody. I know. Different for everybody. I mean, I'm thankful for the skills I developed on classical training. Yeah. But every, re- every time we rehearse it, it like it, it, it amazes me. Like when you pick up your violin and I'm like, she just sounds like a professional, you know? That's good. Yeah. I hope so. Okay. Well, I love you. I love you you as well. I'm excited for Thursday. I am really excited to go see you. I am too. I'm excited to do it again. It feels, it feels really significant to me and to me only. Yeah. Uh, But I just, we worked on the van last week and the van is looking so good. And every time I, every time I nail something into the van, I think 2022 is going to be a great year for us. It really is, yeah. And I think we did this as an act of courage to show the world, like, we want more of this in the world, you know? Yeah. So uh, I love you. Thank you for being supportive. I'm not quitting the band. Everyone chill. Also, no one is thinking that. Noodles told me. Noodles told you. She's worried. Okay, she's not. Uh, I love you. Let's go over to Patreon. Okay, bye.